Ooh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man. Just another day closer to the college football season. Mm-hmm. We got scrimmages happening all across the SEC this tail end of the week and the weekend. So uh, I know I keep saying it, but man, is oh, it yeah. getting closer and closer? You know what? It really is, Mike. And I'm keeping an eye on the Twitters. I'm keeping an eye on those message boards. And we're trying. We're praying to God our our, our athletes make it to kickoff. You know, this is that injury time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to touch on a little bit of that during this show. But yes, I am ready for college football. I could see it, Mike. You know, when I could see it on the calendar, you can feel the buzz. You you get online. That's all everybody's even talking about. So uh, I am absolutely ready, man. It's been a long off season. That's for sure. Yeah, and we got a couple news and notes around the league, Shane, so let's just jump right into it. And kind of the biggest news item here broke right away here on uh, Mm -hmm. Wednesday morning, I believe first reported by uh, the On3 Georgia site, but uh, Georgia going to be able to host recruits for this upcoming Florida game. uh, Of course, it's a, a neutral field in Jacksonville, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party they play. Everybody knows in in the Jaguar Stadium, but pretty interesting news on mm-hmm. uh, a number of levels, don't you think, Shane? Yeah, and and you know the first when I first saw this, Mike, I went back to to SEC Media Days when Kirby Smart and Tim Tebow were having a conversation on the Paul Feinbaum show. Uh, if we can, let's go ahead and upload that link now so everybody can hear what I'm talking about. I've heard that you no longer really want the Florida-Georgia game in Jacksonville. <laughs> you mean Short, the Georgia-Florida Georgia game? Florida. No, yeah. no, no, no. I got it backwards, man. I got you. I tried to throw that plug in there. It's, it's li- I did, but it's literally one of the best environments. How come you want to switch it up? Why is it one of the best environments? I think did, how many times did you play in Athens now? None. None. How many times did we get to play in Gainesville? None. I think that's special. It is. I think that's special. But it's but you get a lot of home and road games, but you only get one where it's split 50-50 no, you in don't. the middle. We're, we're going to play Oregon this year in, the, in, in Mercedes. I know, and there'll be pockets full of it, but this one's literally split right down the middle, orange and blue, red and black. It absolutely is. I'll tell you what, y'all tell Florida you call the AD and you ask them to come to Atlanta and come play us. <laughs> we'll play in Atlanta anytime they want to play. You feel like it's more of an advantage I, for – it's not an advantage for anybody. You look at the history of it. The yeah. team with the, you know, the better players and the better team usually wins that game, and it affects the outcome of the SEC East. It's more about, for me, I'm competing against guys all across the SEC who host kids at their biggest game. Yeah. When Auburn gotcha. plays Alabama, guess gotcha. where the recruits are? Yeah. Yeah. They're at Auburn. When Auburn and when LSU and Alabama play, that's where the biggest recruits want so to go. Really so it's an opportunity for us to bring these kids that fly in from all over the country. What game do they want to come see Georgia play? They'd like to see Georgia play Florida. They can't do that. Yeah. All right, Mike. So you hear it. You hear it in Kirby's voice. You hear it. You hear it. I mean, he's he he laid the rules down. And and I don't know, man, if this is a change in the guard or maybe I'm reading into it too much or something like that. But you know, when I think of a head football coach saying something and changing something, I think of Nick Saban. I, I think that's why a lot of people were worried about when he on his take on the NIL is like. If, if he doesn't like it, it may change sooner than later. And 
And I just find it funny that here's Kirby coming out on national TV saying he doesn't like this location because he can't bring recruits down there. And then we're less than a month away. The rules getting changed, man. This is a game that's been played a lot longer than we've been around, Mike. You know what I'm saying? Then all right. of a sudden, it's like, okay, the rules are out the book because Kirby. So I don't know if this is a changing a guard or anything, but, man, I'm telling you, Kirby Smart's voice is pretty damn heavy, brother. Yeah, and I'll break that down in just a second, Shane. I do want to um, – just a couple items here for what I understand of what this new rule is. It's going to take effect immediately. So for this mm -hmm. upcoming season, that's important to note. But how about this, Shane? It's going to be one of these where it is a neutral site, but every year, of course, they designate a home team. Yep. And this season, Georgia is the designated home team, so obviously Florida's the away team. Only Georgia can host recruits. Florida can't do it. Now, oh. that'll be flip-flopped the next season. So Florida right. will be able to host. Georgia won't be in 2023. Uh, and, and neither team can contact the recruits. It's, it's really like an unofficial visit. So you mm -hmm. can just give them tickets, essentially. You're not really hosting them, obviously, on campus. So just wanted to make those mm -hmm. little notes. But – yeah. Oh, there'll be there'll be some folks running around. <laughs> Don't worry; these guys will know exactly where they're supposed to be. <laughs> but that. But it, does this does does this change Arkansas situation? I mean, I I would think it had to. You know, up yeah. there playing in Little Rock when they do, and they have the spring game up there sometimes. So I mean, if I'm Sam Pittman and I'm Hunter Yurichek, I'm getting on the line with the SEC today and saying, "What the hell? I mean, why is yeah. why is Georgia and Florida allowed to do this, but we aren't?" So, you know, that's something to consider. But very interesting point you make, Shane, because you think back to recent national champions like Cocho and Dabo. You know, mm -hmm. you got an extra power when you win that title, when you yep. join that elite class. We're seeing it down there. Jimbo at A&M, he's got all the power in the world. Nick mm -hmm. Saban, obviously, at Alabama. Now Kirby, he's got – he already had all the support in the world, but it's taken to another level when you win that championship. Right. Just got that contract. And this is a guy that – thinks about every aspect of the program, Shane. Literally right. every little aspect. He's got his hands in it. He's thinking about it constantly. And this has been on Kirby's mind for a while. And I, I think, you know, it's wise that you point that out. I mean, he is now when he's at the height of his power. And, hell, he I mean, he could even grow it in Athens. I'm not saying that he's going downhill. But, I, but I'm saying he's got more power than he's ever had down mm -hmm. there in Athens. I think he's wielding that to get his way and – it's pretty interesting. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, the Georgia administration, they've got to be fully on board with this to, to make this push. And, and all of a sudden, uh, Kirby's getting his way. And, and, man, it is fascinating. Maybe we are seeing – Alabama and Georgia have been at each other's throats all off season. Now here's Cousin Shane saying, well, this is the latest sign that Kirby Smart <laughs> is the new Nick Saban, the new emperor of college football. Well, yeah, and I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse, but it's just it, – it just – I don't know. It fascinates me how fast-tracked this was. This isn't a topic that just came up this year. Right. This is something that they talked about for many, many seasons. But then here you come off a national championship. Here you are on the SEC network and saying – you need this needs to be fixed because it's not fair you know you are the ones that want us down there because it makes money 
the Florida Georgia line. I mean, this is a this is a ball game that everybody benefits from, except us as Georgia or us as the Florida Gators because we cannot host recruits down there. That is a home game you're taking away from us, and it's a big game because when you when you bring your key recruits out, man. That's that's what you want to do. You want to see the rivalries, you know. You want to see the 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 because you can feel the energy when these teams play, and and it is it is a disadvantage that you're not able to bring some of those recruits in because who knows that that momentum that atmosphere may have persuaded them to to join your program. So I don't know. I I'm devil's advocate here. I just find it funny. Here, Kirby Smart says he wants something, and damn, it gets fixed. <laughs> and, and I would imagine more of that's coming as the as the years well, you, go by. You know what? Think about it. When the rule changes and things like that, the first thing they do is they run to Nick Saban and see how he feels about it. <laughs> and then now they're running to to Kirby Smart. Now they're running to Jimbo Fisher. There's there's a handful of coaches they really want to know because they control the room. When these coaches get together, there's a few people that got some weight. You know who they are, those big swingings that come in, you know? Right. It's the you know exactly who who is dictating the rules of this next phase of college football and there are a lot of decisions about to be made, especially with NIL, especially with uh, the transfer portal and and there's there's going to be some big decisions that that are going to have to be discussed throughout this season and going into next season. And it just shows me that Kirby Smart's you know matters that Kirby Smart's opinion is going to be considered when they have these debates. Yeah, I think you're dead on, Shane, and, and sticking on the theme of Florida Georgia. Uh, unfortunately, we do got some bad news from Gainesville, and man, I was yeah. pumping this guy up on the last episode. I feel bad. Receiver Ricky Pershaw, the the transfer from Arizona State, mm-hmm. making an impact there for the Gators. And according to uh, Jacob Rudner of uh, 24-7 Sports, Pershaw injured, out indefinitely, suffered a, a foot injury in Tuesday's practice. And from what I understand, Shane, he was in a walking boot after the injury. So none of that's good. Don't know the timeline for him to, to return to the field. Hopefully it's nothing serious. But, man, this is one of the, one of the few guys Florida could not afford to lose. It, it, this is something that Billy Napier's been hitting at. The depth is not where we want it. And I don't want to say he was going to be their number one receiver, but that was the early buzz out of camp. It would be just a huge blow for the Gators. Huge, huge. And and it's like there's a handful of programs that really can't afford – to have these key injuries and the Florida Gators is one of them. This is an area they're already thin at, you know, like you said, there was a lot of hype, a lot of buzz. They're going to need some players to step up if the Florida Gators are going to compete in the East. And and I think he was going to be a big part of it. The closer we got, the more we heard from camp. And it, it just, uh, it's a huge blow for that team. And they better bubble wrap old uh, Anthony Richardson <laughs> down there. You know what? <laughs> I'm not saying – you're saying it, Mike, but I wouldn't even dress him out. You okay. know? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you got to do that. But but that – you know, we talked about this yesterday. You can't go in the season worrying about injuries. And God, now I'm worried about injuries, right. you know. You you hate to hear it. All right, Shane, next let's kick it on down to Fayetteville for a little update here with the Arkansas Razorbacks. And – you know, obviously, the, the one of the key issues for this team, we got a ton of faith in the coaching staff. We got a mm-hmm. ton of faith in K.J. Jefferson and that offensive line and the running backs. But how are these receivers going to perform with Traylon Burks off to the NFL first-round draft pick? 
And uh, we got some comments here in just a minute from Kenny Guy on their receivers coach down there. And he's in his second year working with Sam Pittman and Kendall Browse. But um, a lot of buzz, Shane, about this Matt Landers, who yeah. formerly of Georgia, he was at Toledo last season, had a really good season. This is uh, Sam Pittman last week was was pumping up him some Matt Landers and just what an impact he's going to have. Jadon Hazelwood, everybody wants to know what he's going to look like in an Arkansas mm -hmm. Razorback uniform, the former five-star. I believe he was the number two overall prospect in the country. And then Malik Hornsby, the quarterback, who may be the fastest player on the team. We all know that uh, he's taking reps at receiver. And, hell, he may even start at receiver. So let's kick it over to Kenny Guyon real quick. On Again, talking Matt Landers, Jadon Hazelwood, and Malik Hornsby, how that transition's going. All the coaches we've talked to pretty much in the DBs yesterday have talked about Landers, speed, you know, how fast is the guy, and just what has he added to you so far? You know, it's just different when you got a guy that long, that tall, that fast, and and uh, can contract the ball well, you know, and uh, he's he's added, he's added to our room something different, you know, and um, and I actually think it's picked up other guys as well, you know, to say, hey, look look at that, you know, and um, he's jumped into it. He's, he's eager to learn every day, and – and he's getting better and better every day as he learns and, and know how we do things. You know, he wasn't here in the spring, but him being an older receiver, has that allowed him to kind of pick up things maybe quicker than, say, the two high school kids that weren't here in the spring? Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, he, he gets it. He knows what college football is all about. You know, he went from SEC to playing in the MAC for a little bit and coming back to this SEC, he knows, you know, what to expect, you know. So he's not, you know, that bright-eyed kid coming in like everything's surprising him. You know, he, he's, he knows what to expect. He knows he needs to learn, and, and I have to be ready for my moment, for my opportunities. How did Jaden progress from the spring, summer, now to preseason? I'm, I'm guessing you're saying Hazelwood, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, man, tremendous. I think that's a guy that's going to see a lot, a lot of success throughout the season, and um, looking forward to it, you know, just a really, really smart guy who understands ball, knows what you're trying to get done, and uh, every day is getting better and better. This is probably a, a way off question, but um, at some point you got to kind of pare it down to six, seven guys you're going to travel with, yep. and, and you're going to say these are our three starters right here yep. going to play the most. At what point in camp does that start to kind of – is that the yeah, end, I mean, for the end of camp? Or? You know, you want to see these guys compete in a, at least some live ball. You know, we haven't even had a scrimmage yet, so it's a little tough. But, you know, you try to move guys around, get guys reps. You know, guys that don't get a chance with the ones, and you see them doing good things in a – with the later half of the groups, you get those guys up and go see what they got, you know, see what you got. So, um, like I said, the competitive nature of the room right now is so awesome that everyone's competing their butts off. And, and after a while, hey, the best ones play. And, and it's all about that execution, right? It's, the ex execution, it's a production-based game. You know, either you win or you lose. So, um, either you got the job done or you didn't. And who's getting that job done more often, those will be the three on the field. And like you say, there always will be a rotation. So, um it's no reason to hang your head because you're not one of those three. Um, just be ready to roll when your number's called. And usually you get that opportunity. If, you, if, you're doing, if you're handling your business, you get that opportunity. And when an opportunity comes, you got to take advantage. Can't be that guy soaking and not ready for it. Part of this be determined, Kenny, but how much are you counting on have? How much do you expect to have Malik Horns be a receiver this year? Um, that's a really good question. I mean, um, he's different out there, you know. So he's a guy that – we want to throw him out there, be smart about it all, and let him go get a chance to affect the game, you know, because he has that ability at whatever he's doing out there, 
with his quarterback, wide eye split out, whatever it is. I mean, he's got a chance to affect the game in a positive way, and so we want to give him that chance. I just feel like he's too good to be standing on the sidelines. I mean, because KJ's, if he's not hurt, it's going to get probably all the snaps. On yeah, that's floor. how we. Not, yeah, that's how I feel right now. Is and we feel right now it's just as if he's a guy that he can't sit over there and watch. You know, he has he has to get a chance to go affect the game, and, and we want that chance for him. All right, Shane. Hey, I mean, they may just be pumping <laughs> it up because it's early in camp, but I get a sense of a, a receivers coach that is very, very, very happy with the guys he's got, and I think. Across the board, the average height for the Arkansas receiver right now is about 6'4", which is just <laughs> incredible. You know what? <laughs> A list I don't belong in, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tra- you know Traylon Burks is an amazing player, and he's going to do great things in the NFL, and he's just not going to be replaced by one guy. Right. And I think that's kind of why we, we're, we're asking a broad question here with all the wide receiver talent. You're going to need all three of these guys to step up because when Burks was on that field, he demanded – everybody's attention and and they're not going to have that right out of the gate now i don't think that's going to be the case at the end of the season i think some of these guys are going to emerge and they're going to fit well i mean they got a hell of a quarterback to play with i love the system there but you know right out of the gate we need all of these kids playing the best of their ability building that chemistry with kj because they're going to need every one of those yeah and certainly i mean it it would almost be foolish to say you know, they could be better without Traylon Burks because he was so awesome. So I, I'm not sitting here saying that, but any advantage you think, Shane, where last year they knew if they were going to throw the ball, they were throwing it to Traylon <laughs> Burks. This yeah. season, defenses have no idea where the football is going. So there, there may be a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a little wrinkle, so to speak, in the, in the playbook that could help Arkansas. You buy that at all? Well, I mean, that's a positive way to spin it. But, you know, when you have when you have a, a player like Burks out there and, yeah. and he's being double teamed, you know, that opens up opportunities for these other guys to step up. That opens up running lanes for your running back and KJ. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think part of that, that's kind of a loaded question. But the, the thing is, this if Trey, I'll say this, Mike, if, if Traylon Burks was on this team today, this Arkansas team would be a million times better just because of the other receivers, their other options that KJ now has available to him. There's a, there's a reason they were feeding Burks all the time. (laughs) It wasn't that he was just God's gift to wide receiver. It's just, you know what I'm saying? There was a separation gap between the rest of the team. Yeah, I gotcha. All right. And last thing here, uh, Kenny guy who played quarterback in college, he talks about uh, the growth of KJ Jefferson. I just thought, Razorback fans would appreciate to hear the, these glowing remarks about their quarterback. Your opinion on, uh, you know, in being a former quarterback, uh, your opinion on how KJ has looked mm-hmm. and his progression since yes. last season, since the spring, and and also Malik, uh, how he's progressed at quarterback. Yeah. Um, I start with KJ first. Just um, number one, I thought mindset wise, man, just a guy that came out and and you could tell his comfortability in being a leader. You know, he's a starter for a year now. You know, you can see it. You can see it. He's a guy that's talking more now, that's uh, coming to the sideline, talking about what he's seeing more, talking to the wideouts more, what he wants, what he sees for those guys in order for them to be successful, you know, things of that nature. So it's more in that leadership factor that I see he's progressed. Um, Malik just uh, been a year older in the offense. You can tell he's knowing what he's doing out there. Um, you're able to move him around more and do things with him to help him affect the game and things of that nature. So I think both of, both being a year within the – 
offense and, and actually seeing that time on the field from last year, those guys have progressed in the leadership roles and the roles of being able to bring the offense together as a whole. You know. Now, sticking on the receiver theme, Shane, let's kick it on down to Columbia, South Carolina. I haven't talked some Gamecocks in a little while, but, man, they <laughs> have got some options. And this is something that we've talked about all offseason. You're bringing in these transfers. You've got the other guys already on the roster ready to compete. It's not like a totally rebuilt secondary. But one mm-hmm. thing that I think gets lost in the conversation, Shane, when we talk about Spencer Rattler – coming in and and upgrading this offense is the fact that some of these guys may have been primed for a breakout last season right but we just couldn't get them the football so we're we are just hearing so much buzz that the South Carolina receivers are ready to take it up to that next step so are you buying the fact that again it's not just transfers that are new players but some of the players we already had on the roster maybe they're far more dynamic and big play receivers than we realize because we just couldn't get them the football last year. Absolutely, man. I mean, when you got a quarterback, it changes everything. It makes the play. It takes an average Joe and can make him a hero if you're putting it in the only spot he can get. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's going to be part of it. But part of I mean, we know what South Carolina has brought down there. There we know that there's more talent down there this year than there was last year. It's just what does it look like when it's unveiled? You know, I, I think also that competition when that room is loaded because you'll you'll hear the comments here in a second when you're not the only guy in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It makes you better because you're competing with other folks that can actually take your job. So um, I, I just I, I just I. Mike, you're sucking me back into this Columbia hype. And I I told myself I wouldn't go down that rabbit hole. But, you know, when you hear comments like you're about to, it's hard not to just kind of, you know, be a little intrigued. Yeah, and we're about to hear from a Marion Brown receiver for the Gamecocks. And, and, and I'll say this. for I was thinking, man, what was it? Eastern Carolina they were playing last year. And, and I mean, it was a I mean, it was a horrible game. Yeah. It was absolutely horrible. It was a. It was, I hated watching it because I had money on it. But it, it, I just there was parts that you would think, man, if we could go back and I put Rattler on that roster, is this thing even close? You know, <laughs> right. I mean, because there was a lot of great routes being ran. There was a lot of great things being done on that offensive side of the ball. We just couldn't get the ball to that guy. So, I to answer your question, I think immediately that's not a ball game anymore yeah no doubt and you know that i've heard a lot of people's well my god they struggled against east carolina they struggled against this team they struggled against that team but i think there's something to be said shane for battling adversity and winning those football games which you may Mm -hmm. not deserve to have won and now when you're upgrading across the board in terms of talent and depth I think that sets you up for even – because there's going to be struggles. I don't care how much we sit here and hype up the South Carolina Gamecocks. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go undefeated probably, you know. Right. And and there's games where they help, they may get blown out. But how do you get off the mat? And I think last year will serve them well. And, and maybe I'm not even talking about a losses, but maybe, again, they get down – maybe they right out the gate, Tennessee got, got them 14-0 to at the end of the first quarter. How do you respond to that adversity? And, and last season, I think, is just really going to serve them well. Mm-hmm. So let's kick it over to a Marion Brown, who's a guy we were hearing buzz about last year. The former Georgia Tech receiver was on the roster last season for the Gamecocks. He, he really got going there in the bowl game. 
But, I mean, just look at some of the guys he's got to work with, Shane. Josh Van, yeah. Juice Wells, the transfer from uh, James Madison, Corey Rucker from Arkansas State, and then returners Xavier mm-hmm. Leggett, DeCarion Joyner, and then Jakeem Bell and Austin Stalker. <laughs> I mean, my God, we go eight, nine deep here, and that's kind of the message he's got. Maybe just how different is this wide receiver room compared to what it was maybe even four months ago or a year ago at this time? Oh, yeah, before, you know, we had a lot of great guys. I think now that, you know, we got a few transfers and freshmen in, uh, uh, a lot of people talk about it. Uh, this this room is special. We're about nine, ten deep. Like, it's, it's man, it's special, man. You know, everybody in that receiver room can do something, whether that's freshmen or, you know, transfers or newcomers. You know, I'm, you know everybody has showed something, you know, during the spring and fall, and I just think that, you know, uh, that receiver room is going to be a huge, huge surprise for everyone this year. I guess as you're here, I guess, four or five practices in now. Who are some of the guys both offensively and defensively that maybe caught your eye a little bit? Ooh, we've had a lot of great practices. Um, like you said, that whole receiver group has been special. Um, I can say from top to bottom, even freshmen like, you know, Landon and DJ Black. Uh, ooh, it's been special. Uh, even the older guys, you know, on the offense, you know, Juice who just came in, you know, he's special as well. Um, Rucker. He's a he's he has a lot of great talent as well on the defense. You know, all the guys that returned are playing their butts off. I mean, they're flying around yesterday. He had a great practice. You know, they're flying around making plays. I think that, you know, right now that the whole team has actually been pretty good. Uh, We just working off of each other and just all grinding together. You know, it's been it's been pretty amazing. Hey, last little thing on South Carolina, Shane. I feel bad because I totally forgot about this and I should have mentioned it on the last show. Because it's gonna be a, a it's gonna be a day late and a dollar short, but I don't know if you watched any of that uh, Hard Knocks on HBO, but ESPNU's got their own South Carolina Gamecocks Hard Knocks that Ooh. debuts Wednesday evening. Again, I know this pod comes out Thursday, but <laughs> hopefully your uh, DVR's recording it, and I'm sure they'll be replaying it. But if you're a Gamecock fan, you got to check out ESPNU South Carolina All Access. Cannot wait to see uh, the training camp show that they produce for the Gamecocks. Well, an advantage of recording the show on Wednesday, I'm not going to miss it now. So. <laughs> Appreciate that, Mike. <laughs> All right, last little team to hit here, Shane. Let's kick it all down to Auburn. Brian Harson uh, met with the media here. We're winding down first week of camp on the Plains. And, man, he had some opportunities to hype up them Tigers, and he's basically taking the opposite approach. But, you know, they they start the season, of course, five home games. That could be so crucial to their season, getting the momentum going, proving the doubters wrong with a nationally televised Penn State coming to town, Missouri the first SEC game, followed by LSU. We don't know what the hell to make of LSU. They could be red hot. They could be faltering. Uh, Who knows? But uh, let's kick it over to Brian Harson. Shane talks about Zach Calzada and his health. I'm hearing the great things about Robbie Ashford, too, was the the A-Day spring game MVP. You know, let's not write him off. We got the moped master, T.J. Finley, competing for this job. Uh, Let's kick it over to Brian Harson, talks to the quarterbacks, and starting the season with five consecutive home games. How's that? How he's out there? Has he got any rust? Just the quarterbacks in general, how yeah, I don't know if he's got any rust. I mean, again, it's it's camp, and so you're seeing a lot of different looks from the defense. Uh, and I think all the quarterbacks have had their moments really good and some where, you know, we got to learn from it. Um, I think he's done well. Today was a good day for him. I thought he his footwork was good, threw the ball well. 
uh, like everybody else, he had a sense of urgency on the field, and you know that's that's where you know our quarterbacks really each and every day they got to they got to show up and have great days because if they don't, the rest of us really feel that you know. So there are really no days off for those quarterbacks, and I think today was one of our more consistent days from the QB. Still not what it needs to be, but it was still more consistent than than what it's been from all those guys. And you know, even Holden, Holden's starting to really show some flashes of, of understanding what we're doing, um, changing a few things mechanically so he's just a little bit better in those areas. But all those guys, I think, have done a really good job of, of applying what Coach Keysaw has asked him to do. Now we just we got more time. That's the thing. It's not a finished product right now. And that's for everybody. We all want to know, and myself included, but coaching that position, doing this for a few years now, you know that we have time to keep building through some things. And you just got to stick with one thing for a while until they get it and then move on to the next. Because you don't want to throw five or six things at a quarterback um, because they're not really mastering anything. And you got to master something. You know, you got to figure out what that is. um, And you got to master it and then you got to move on to the next thing. How excited are you and your team both that you get to start the first month plus of the season at home and kind of establish your identity as a team in front of your home fans? Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's a unique. Somebody else had five games this year. Who was it? I saw it. Is there some other team that has five games? You guys should know that. All right. Well, look it up. I could be wrong. But I, there was another There was another team that had, uh, I think, five home games as well. I, it's. I've never been in a situation like that, but, you know, we're going to try to take advantage of it and to be at home. And, you know, look, we know our routine, right? That's one of the things. And I also think for our guys, too, is that needs to be our advantage. It can't be one of those things where you get bored with it, right? Uh, you want to go on the road. I think sometimes that, that breaks things up a little bit because you've been at home, you've been practicing. Sometimes it's good to get on the road. We have five straight home games, and in our stadium, that should be our advantage. So we, we have talked about that since January of what that schedule is going to look like just because it's unique. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah, I mean, I want to be, I want to be right there in our stadium playing at home. We've got eight home games. Take advantage of it. We get to start that way. I mean, that's a that's an advantage for us. All right, Chad. Hey, have you ever heard a coach say five <laughs> straight home games? This may not be an advantage for us. I was like, what? What are we doing here, Brian? <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah, but you like to go places. <laughs> you want to break up the monotony of having a home field advantage. No, Mike, man, this is this is crazy talk. This, you know, somebody asked me the other day about Auburn, and they were saying, "Do you think they're going to be an account?" And I don't think back to what makes Auburn great is the fandom, yeah. brother. Is is when when Jordan Hare is a rocking, it, it's a tough place to play. It's it's a tough place for any team to come in there, and they get amped up for. And there's a reason that that Iron Bowl is so good because they're mm-hmm. all in. Any given Saturday, anything can happen. And when you start the season with five home games, man, that place better be sold out. That I mean, if you want to be good, be there for your players, man. Make that place a dangerous place to play football. And you can do that five weeks in a row. Man, I would absolutely love to have that advantage. Yeah, for some reason, Shane, I think Jordan Hare is, uh, you know, underrated as a home field advantage, but – Hell, just like you said, they you know they could have won the Iron Bowl last year. They won the Iron Bowl previous that was there in Jordan Hare. You go back to 2019 LSU's magical team. Mm-hmm. Basically, the only team that tested them was Auburn <laughs> uh, during that regular season. So, 
there's just so many games that come to mind where, where Auburn's got at such an advantage playing in that stadium. Absolutely. And if Brian talks about this monotony and, and wanting to get out, my <laughs> God, like just wait for the first couple of games when you get those fans rocking, they get behind the team. As long as Auburn starts hot, that fan base is just going to be more and more and more rabid. And yeah. I mean, they, they're the envy of the SEC when it, turn, when it comes to scheduling to start mm-hmm. with those five home games, no doubt. I tell you, Mike, I loved going down to Atlanta for SEC media days, but about day two, I was missing my bed. You know, I was missing my bathroom. I was missing my washer and dryer. You know, I was missing all that. And, you know, some of that is you, you forget, you know, when you're in a hotel. And, yeah, I know it adds a little bit. It's kind of camp feel and the kids have fun doing it. But, you know, there's also something, too, relaxing about just getting up, normal time, going to the, the facility and getting ready for game day. So, um, I, I, I think this was just, you know, you caught him off guard. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe if he could redo this question because there's a lot – there's not one coach in the SEC that wouldn't want five home games right out of the gate. Yeah, no doubt. Well, brother, uh, unless you got anything else, I think it's going to do it for this episode yeah. of the show. No, that's it, man. Um, you know, we, we got some bad news, got some good news, uh, a lot of things going on here, man, and and that's the beautiful thing of college football. We're 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 inch we're inching closer every day and uh I just I am glad you you found those clips for us, Mike. You know, you got may need a little coffee after some of those. Some of those didn't just wow me at the podium, but you know, that's not their job. Their job's put good product on the field, and I think we're we're all uh, uh getting closer to that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, brother, I appreciate you. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you for checking us out. If you made it this far, of course, give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify app. Subscribe to YouTube. Do any of those. We'll send you a beer koozie free of charge. Just send those on over to that secpodcast at gmail.com. That's going to do it. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go well.